Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Village Chestnut Tree. I am your host, Emmett Oops, and I will be with you for the next 10 to 15 minutes talking about the American chestnut and other trees in trouble on occasion. Well, I am recording this during what is now the third month of uh, some sort of quarantine from COVID-19, and it's something I'm sure if chestnut trees could talk, they would sympathize with us because uh, the chestnut did not survive as uh, an intact species after the turn of the last century when a pathogen was introduced from Asia and caused all kinds of uh, destruction of the predominant tree east of the Mississippi, that being the American chestnut. Anyway, uh, as you may know, we are fighting the good fight. We are bringing the American chestnut back. And if you're interested in finding out more, just let me put out there, you can go to acf.org. That is the American Chestnut Foundation. And uh, if you live in New York State, you can look up the New York chapter. You'll find all of the efforts being um, exerted here in the state on behalf of a transgenic chestnut tree, which uh, is so far has been shown to be blight tolerant. Now, the focus of this podcast is going to be on something that's critically important to the reintroduction efforts of the chestnut, and that is silviculture. Silviculture is the practice of controlling the growth, the composition, and the quality of forests, uh, specifically when you're talking about timber production. I'm sure we've all heard that sometimes when a forest is clear-cut, only one kind of tree is planted in, in place, and we know that that's monoculture. Well, silviculture is the science that determines what is going to be planted in place. And of course, if all you're planting is a crop, then in a cornfield you would plant corn. And if you want to have a crop where you're raising timber for construction purposes, you might raise southern yellow pine if you're in Alabama. So silviculture is strictly the science of managing forests. And you might wonder, well, how does that have anything to do with the reintroduction of the chestnut? Well, it's key, because we want to know what kind of place we're introducing the chestnut to. For instance, uh, we have in Vermont, uh, in cooperation with the Green Mountain National Forest and the U.S. Forest Service over there in the University of Vermont, they're looking at uh, chestnut growth, Uh, tolerance for cold, winter injury, and three different canopy treatments. Now, the canopy, as you probably know, is the, 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 the forest roof. An open canopy, so planting out in fields, partial canopy, and a closed canopy. The reintroduction trials differ a little bit in these plantings because you might be looking at seed versus bare root versus containerized seedlings. Uh, You might be changing planting density, uh, the time of planting, fall or spring, Uh, site preparation, methods of protection from wildlife, fertilization, 
Uh, often reintroduction and silvicultural trials go hand in hand. For instance, a North Carolina State University study examined growth and survival differences between chestnuts planted in an open canopy versus a shelterwood with and without fertilization at the time of establishment. So there are a whole bunch of different trials that can be engaged in. Now, a primary practice of the American Chestnut Foundation, which involves silviculture and reintroduction, is something called assisted migration. Now, assisted migration is a forest management practice that provides human-driven movement of tree species, often to non-indigenous locales, in response to pests, pathogens, and climate stresses. And as the climate changes, some have hypothesized that some tree species will be able or unable to adapt quickly enough to these deviations, potentially resulting in local and regional extirpation or even species extinction. Assisted migration cannot be completed without sound and effective regeneration practices, which can often be more expensive, laborious, and sometimes unsuccessful more unsuccessful than natural regeneration. Now, in the case of the American chestnut, a majority of diversity of the species can be found in the extreme southern extent of the range. For instance, Tennessee, northern Georgia, uh, uh, western Virginia and West Virginia, eastern Ohio, uh, northern Alabama. Unfortunately, the trees at the southern extent are also the most at risk for extirpation because of climate change and pests and pathogens such as Phytophthora, which is Greek for uh, plant killer, Phytophthora root rot, uh, which are either limited to or worse in the southern Appalachians. The American Chestnut Foundation is working to identify and rescue as many individuals as possible. And while harvesting chestnuts from these trees is the easiest way to do that, most of them are not fruiting or don't produce viable nuts. And in those cases, grafting is the only means of conservation. Uh, those nuts, by the way, are being placed into the germplasm conservation or orchards for long-term conservation and breeding. Now, Conversely, at and beyond the northern extent of the range, experimental chestnut introduction can uh, assist with the northern migration of the species predicted by many climate change models. I have been astonished at the ability of the American chestnut, which I've always associated with the places south, let's say south of Albany, New York, so south of the 43rd parallel, uh, but I have been astonished to find that the chestnuts that I have planted uh, at the 44th parallel, and actually not, not entirely all that far from the Canadian border, uh, are thriving in a place where our average minimum temperature goes down to minus 35, and where until uh, 10 years ago, the warmest summertime temperature was 89 degrees. Uh, yeah, and you heard that right. That was our warmest temperature ever until sometime in the uh, last decade of the 20th century.
So we're able to successfully grow from seedlings here. And I thought, well, that would be, that, that may be because they have, uh, uh, maybe these were grown and maybe if we had a really cold winter, they wouldn't be able to survive it. Well, I was uh, uh, called by a chestnut enthusiast in a town that is actually uh, about the same parallel as where I am and is in a hollow that's a little bit colder than where I am. And she said, I believe we have an American chestnut on our property. So I went down to investigate and sure enough, they have an American chestnut. I would estimate the diameter to be between 14 and 16, 17 inches. Um, I did. I was so, I was so astonished to be standing next to a, a mature American chestnut in northern New York that I didn't even bother to take any measurements. So, <laughs> what it told me was that this tree is extremely tolerant. And so when we're talking about migration, species migration, that uh, if, if we wanted to introduce a tree here, because, for instance, the white ash is disappearing under the onslaught of the uh, emerald ash borer, so if we wanted to plant a tree to take the place of the ash, and we're looking at candidate trees that are going to be tolerating a somewhat warmer climate here, I think the chestnut would be a candidate that we would want to consider. So when we're talking about silviculture and the reintroduction of the American chestnut, we have to always ask ourselves, to what kind of environment are we introducing or reintroducing this tree? We wouldn't want to tear a forest down so that we could plant one out of four trees a chestnut. We wouldn't want to uh, just plant in places where there aren't any trees in open fields because we'd end up with monoculture. So this is where we need to get as many people involved uh, in, the, in the conversation as possible because what we're talking about has never actually been achieved on a, on a continental scale like we're talking about. So we all need to be thinking about how we're going to be introducing these trees, what the best method of um, migration would be for them, and how, in, how we can rebalance the forest ecosystem by reintroducing a tree where, in fact, it was the keystone species. One of the really exciting things in reforestation is the areas in the Mid-South, in West Virginia and Tennessee, that have been mined and where they've done mountaintop removal. Mountaintop removal is exactly what it sounds like. There's a hill and then there isn't. The companies that are doing this generally don't put a whole lot of topsoil back and they don't turn it into a sylvan garden. But it looks like these places would be, number one, they are the natural habitat of the American chestnut. And second, 
they are bereft of trees right now. And just as a matter of trying to prevent the soil from running into the streams, the soil has to be conserved. And so the planting of trees and uh, other uh, plant life is essential in those areas. And that's where we would want to make sure that we have a proper mix of American chestnuts going in. If you have seen a chestnut tree in your backyard or in a neighbor's backyard, and if you're interested in finding out whether or not that is an American chestnut or a Chinese chestnut or a European chestnut or just a beech tree, <laughs> then you would definitely want to get in touch with us. You can go to the uh, American Chestnut Foundation's webpage and search for your state chapter. And I'm sure your state chapter has a method for identifying that tree. Identifying an American chestnut can be tough in an area where some hybrids have been planted because you're never entirely sure if it's a wild-type American chestnut. Generally, if it's a mature chestnut, it certainly would be a wild-type, but not necessarily American people did plant European chestnuts and Chinese chestnuts as much as a hundred years ago. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. I walk through the woods and uh, I, I look at a, at a leaf and it looks kind of like a chestnut. And then I realize, no, that's a, a chestnut oak. So it, it, it is kind of tricky. You can email me at nychestnut at mail.com. Uh, my mail.com account is once again up and running. It has been down for a few weeks uh, for reasons I don't want to go into right here. Anyhow, uh, I want you to think about silviculture and how we're going to get these trees back in the forest once we do get the approval. And you might want to go to the ACF uh, website so that we can you can find information on the public discussion period that is upcoming. Well, that's about that for today. I hope you can get out and enjoy some fresh air, even though you're not doing the things that you necessarily are used to doing this month because of the old COVID. But uh, we can at least feel a little bit of solidarity, solidarity with trees that... Uh, well, at least we can move. They, they can't get out of the way of these pathogens we keep throwing at them. Remember, when you're out there, be like a tree and keep looking up. Underneath the spreading chestnut tree, I loved him and he loved me. There I used to sit up on his knee. Beneath the spreading chestnut tree. There beneath the boughs we used to meet. All his all the little birdies went tweet, tweet. Neat the spreading chestnut tree. I said I love you, and there ain't no ifs or buts. He said I love you, and the blacksmith shouted, Chestnut! Underneath the spreading chestnut tree, there he said he'd marry me. Now you ought to see our family. Neat the spreading chestnut
All the little birdies went sweet, sweet. This is the question.